0: Good morning. Those of you who are visiting with us, we are glad that you're here. I want to echo what Chris said in the opening. Also let you know that you're stepping into the middle of a series. We have been doing this series all year. Our members here purchased a book. It's a one-word devotional book where each week we take one word and we look at that one word and how it applies to us spiritually and in our daily walk with God. And uh, It all culminates on Sunday with us looking at that word from the sermon and so this morning we're looking at elders and I'm excited to preach on elders this morning because this is the first time in my preaching career that I've preached on elders without being compelled to do so every other time that I've preached on this subject it's been because we were appointing elders and I felt that I needed to preach on the subject in order to help our people to understand the process not so this morning I get to totally on my own volition speak About elders and I want to start by saying this I love our elders and you should love our elders as well they do a fantastic job these men all each and every one of them have some character trait or traits that I would like to apply or instill in my life at some point I'm proud to know these men and proud to serve with them do we always agree on everything no not necessarily Do we always uh, get along? Do our personalities clash at some times? Yes, sometimes they do. Do they always allow me to do whatever it is that I request? No. Does that make me angry? Yes, because obviously I know what's best. Actually, that's not true. But I can tell you this, these men love this congregation with all their heart. And they want what's best for this congregation. And that's the people that I want leading me. Right? That's the folks that I want leading a congregation are men who have a heart for God and His people. Now when it comes to serving, Paul had this to say in the eldership, First Timothy 5:17, "The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. And so I, I want to say to you this morning, honor your elders. I do, and I encourage you to do as well. Not just because the Bible tells you to, but because most of you have never been an elder. And so while you can sit back and play armchair quarterback and talk about all the things that you would do differently, since most of us have never served in that capacity, we should probably give a lot of grace, right? And there are some of you in this congregation who have served in that capacity, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Many times you are, you are forced To get involved in people's lives when it's messy. You are forced to make a decision that is probably going to be unpopular to some group or some person no matter what decision you make. You may not always agree with the elders decisions, you may not always uh, fully want to accept them, but you can make their job a lot easier or a lot harder depending on how you respond to them. All of you in this congregation that have served as an elder somewhere else know that many times elders hear from folks when things aren't going well and it would be good that they hear from the folks when things are going well when there's not a problem when you just want to pat them on the back or give them a hug and say thank you for leading us I think so many times we take our elders for granted I think the very fact that our elders are human and they they would tell you we have made mistakes we're not perfect I think that says a lot about their character And a lot about their motivation to lead. They want to do what's best. They want what's best spiritually for the congregation. And again, that's who I want leading our church. Typically, a sermon on elders would focus on 1 Timothy chapter 3 or Titus chapter 1, and we'd talk about the responsibilities of an elder. We'd talk about the qualifications of an elder. We've done that in the past. I'm not going to do that this morning. Because I think while we can go there to 1 Timothy 3 or Titus 1, I think before we go there, we need to go another place. Because I think before we look at the qualifications and the responsibilities as laid forth in Scripture, we need to go to another piece of Scripture, and that's found in Galatians chapter 5. Because I think before we can ever look at qualifications and role and responsibility and all that, we have to see if the men who are going to lead us fit what is said in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit. jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Whenever a church engages in the process of appointing new elders, this is where they need to go to first, I believe, with all my heart. Because before you talk about qualifications, before you talk about role and responsibility as laid out in Scripture, you need to ask the question, is the man... That is a prospective elder, is he someone who is spirit-filled and spirit-led? Because if he is, he is going to have the right heart, and he is going to promote certain things in his life, namely those things that we just read about in the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, do you want a man leading you who is not joyful? Do you want a man leading you who is not self-controlled? Do you want a man leading you who is not gentle and patient? All wonderful qualities, but most certainly qualities that should apply to a man who is leading sheep because sheep can be frustrating, can't they? I mean, sheep can be difficult to lead at times. So before we go to whether he's the husband of one wife or a drunker, all those things, we need to look at is he spirit-filled and spirit-led because we don't want some grumpy old man leading us. You want that guy leading you? I don't want a guy who never smiles, who has no patience for people, who is not joyful and loving. I don't want someone like that leading us. You know, that's the trap that many fall into, isn't it? They appoint men as elders who meet the scriptural qualifications, but that's about it. And we think that what makes them good in their everyday life is what's going to transfer over to make them good as a leader in the church. They're a numbers guy. Or they're a guy that uh that is popular in the community maybe he's got really good business sense and we think that that's going to make them a good leader in the church but not necessarily right because what makes you a really powerful businessman and really good in your chosen profession a lot of times is being stubborn and and somewhat selfish i mean you know if we're being honest right it's my way or the highway This is the way we're going to do things because I'm a guy who can get things done. I know what's best. And that doesn't always work in the church, right? Because if there's one thing we understand about Christianity and about the church is that it's not about you, that you don't always get your way, right? And so when it comes to being popular in the community, when it comes to being good at business and being savvy at business, that doesn't necessarily transfer over into being a good leader. And here's something else that we have to understand. And please, please, please hear me on this. Elders are not boardroom leaders, okay? They're not boardroom people. Elders are shepherds. They shepherd the flock. That's it. Plain and simple. Elders are not CEOs. They're not CFOs. They are not charged with making sure that all the ins and outs of the business of the church are done appropriately, and fairly. Yes, the buck stops with them, but that is not their primary responsibility. The number one job of a shepherd is to lead sheep. Plain and simple. That is it. Above all else, a shepherd tends sheep. Which means that if the other responsibilities, like we just mentioned, are getting in the way of their shepherding, then they are no longer shepherding. They are no longer fulfilling their God-given role. It is a sad commentary that in many of our churches today, there are shepherds spending too much time tending business rather than tending sheep. I want you to notice what is written over in the Old Testament about shepherds. This is Ezekiel chapter 34. Beginning in verse 1, it reads like this. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves! Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly you have not strengthened. The diseased you have not healed. The broken you have not bound up. The scattered you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost, but with force and with severity you have dominated them. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd, and they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search for or seek for them. Sheep need a shepherd, plain and simple. When I was living in Missouri, I got into, myself into a little trouble because there were three churches in our area no more than five or ten miles away, and none of them had elders. Two of them had dwindled down to the point to where they were only meeting on Sunday morning. They didn't have a preacher, and so I talked to all three of these congregations and tried to get them to close their doors to come to uh, the church where I was at so that they could be on the oversight of elders, so that they could meet regularly, so that they could have an established congregation to be a part of None of the three took me up on that offer. Of course, it turned out that with one congregation, their great-great-grandfather built the building, and so there was a sentimental tie to the building that they couldn't leave. And there were other uh, kind of excuses, I guess you could say, that were given. But where I got myself in a little bit of trouble is I said, Folks, the church was never meant to operate without elders. It just wasn't. And I stand by that today. I understand that there are congregations that are just getting off the ground fledgling churches that are working towards promoting elders and appointing elders that, that's understandable right there are some people that have no church in in anywhere in their area and so they come together as Christians and 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 they establish their own congregation and they work to have elders I understand that but these are these churches and there are others that have operated for many many years without the oversight of elders Some have come to the point where maybe they don't even want elders any longer. They're not working towards that end. And folks, that's not scriptural. The Bible is clear that the congregation of the Lord's church is to have elders. Every church needs elders, not just because the Bible says that they do. I mean that is a case i mean on paul's first missionary journey he led he and barnabas appointed elders in every church it says in acts 14 and 23 paul told timothy for this reason i left you in crete that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as i directed you but every church needs elders because every sheep needs a shepherd all sheep need a shepherd it's not just the sick who need a shepherd. It's not just the high-maintenance ones that need a shepherd. It's not just the ones who are straying or the ones that are new Christians. No, all sheep need a shepherd. Submission is good for the soul. It humbles us. We need to be held accountable. We need instruction. We need all these things to help us to be more like Jesus. I need a shepherd. You need a shepherd. Even the shepherds need a shepherd, right? I mean, that's one of the things about a plurality of elders, says the Bible says. Uh, refers to it you know can you imagine how difficult it would be if you only had one man one elder overseeing this entire congregation or maybe even just two right elders was plural for a reason there was a plurality of elders for a reason because I think God in his infinite wisdom understood that shepherds even need shepherds they need this checks and balances they need they need other people to hold them accountable other men that they can cry with, that they can, that they can hug on, that they can, that they can confess their sins to, that they can edify and encourage. Even shepherds need a shepherd. Think about all this as you read through Ezekiel chapter 34. Notice the failures of these shepherds. They were selfish, of course. But in their selfishness, they failed to feed the flock. They didn't uh, strengthen the sick. They did not heal the diseased. They did not bind up the broken. They didn't seek those that had wandered away. They ruled over the flock with an iron fist. And Ezekiel basically says, you are a shepherd in name only because you're not fulfilling the role. In fact, you're doing everything in opposition to what the role calls for. You didn't lead, he says. And notice that there is nothing mentioned in here about programming or about finances, or about budget. No, everything that the prophet mentions condemning these shepherds has to do with what? Taking care of people. The shepherds make sure the flock is spiritually fed. They strengthen those who are weak spiritually. They seek to heal those who are diseased with sin. They encourage those who are broken. They search for those who have wandered away. Like the literal shepherds of literal sheep, Spiritual shepherds have a responsibility to keep the sheep from straying, to lead them to water and pasture, to protect them from all danger, to watch over the flock and to give an account. Shepherding is all about sheep. Sheep come first. They are the shepherd's livelihood. They are attached to the flock, and the flock is attached to them, which is why we don't need boardroom elders. We need living room elders. We need men who understand that it's not about popularity or business acumen or being a numbers guy. Because none of that can take the place of being spirit-filled and spirit-led. If the prospective elder is not kind and gentle and loving and joyful and patient and faithful and all of those things, then it doesn't matter if they're the husband of one wife or if they've raised their family well. None of that matters. None of those qualifications that are mentioned in 1 Timothy 3 or Titus 1 make a hill of beans if they're not spirit-filled and spirit-led. Shepherding doesn't begin with qualifications. It begins with the heart. Here's something else that I believe with all my heart. I don't believe that any man Is qualified to serve as an elder in the Lord's church until he has his MBA. I believe that with all my heart. Unless and until he has his MBA, he cannot serve as an elder in the Lord's church. You guys remember Dave Thomas? Some of you are a little longer in the tooth remember Dave Thomas. He was the founder of Wendy's Hamburgers. Dave Thomas, if you'll remember, he's now deceased, used to appear in many of his commercials. What you may not know is he also appeared in a lot of the training videos for employees that were going to work at Wendy's. One thing about Dave Thomas is he was a very hands-on owner. He did not believe in sitting back and just raking in the dough. Here was a guy that was heavily involved in his business. He had worked hard to move up the ranks at KFC and then left KFC to launch his own hamburger chain and became wildly successful, right? But there is, in one of uh, one of the circulars that was passed out to the different stores in the Wendy's chain or Wendy's franchise, there was this picture of Dave Thomas in a, in a full-length apron holding a mop. And you might remember that that picture appeared in virtually every Wendy's. I mean, you could go to just about any Wendy's and find that picture hanging somewhere in the store. And here's what he said about that picture. He said, I got my MBA long before my GED. And at Wendy's, MBA does not mean master of business administration. It means mop bucket attitude. One of the essential attributes or traits necessary for a man serving as an elder. He must have an MBA, I believe. He must have a mop bucket attitude. Because shepherds are a different type of leader, aren't they? We call them servant leaders. And that's kind of an oxymoron, right? Oxymoron being two contradictory terms put together, like non-dairy cream or jumbo shrimp, you know what I'm talking about. That's an oxymoron, servant leadership. Those two words don't seem to go together. Because when you talk about leadership, you talk about passing down or delegating authority to other people to serve. You tell other people to do the difficult stuff like mopping up floors or whatever it is, you're the one in charge. You don't do that stuff. You don't lower yourself to that responsibility. But in the church, it's all about servant leadership. And it's all about our elders, our shepherds modeling that type of leadership. Remember in, uh, in the Gospels when James and John's mother comes to Jesus with a very selfish request? You remember, she comes to Jesus and asks that her two sons have special status in the kingdom, one on his right and one on his left. And do you remember what Jesus says to her? He says, go tell your bratty kids to go sit in time out, and then I'll come and deal with them in a little while. Actually, that's what I wish he said, but he didn't say that. Here's what he said. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus lays it out right there. It's, this is about servant leadership. And, you know, the other apostles were very upset that James and John had their mother go and make this request to Jesus, but they weren't innocent either because they were constantly haggling about status in the kingdom. And Jesus is saying, it's not like here. It's not like here on earth. There won't be a social ladder. There won't be status like you think of it here. In Matthew 18, three and four, he calls a little child over to him and he says, truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then you might remember in John chapter 13, Jesus kneels down and takes up a towel so that he can wash the feet of his apostles. And Peter was having none of it, right? What, you wash my feet? You know, Peter is basically saying to Jesus, that's not your job. You're Jesus. We've got servants to do that. You don't do that. We tell somebody else to do that. That's not your job. And Jesus, of course, explains to Peter that, no, it is my job because this is the whole reason why I came. Not to be served, but to serve. You see, there's a difference between a herdsman and a shepherd. And I'm afraid that too many elders in the Lord's church today see their role as a herdsman rather than a shepherd. A herdsman stands behind the flock and barks out orders. Maybe even takes a cattle prod and and kind of shocks them a little bit until they come into compliance, until they do what they're told. That's not the role of an elder. An elder is not a herdsman, he's a shepherd. You see, you can't drag sheep. You can't put them on a leash and drag them behind you. Sheep must be led. And you lead by getting out in front of them and showing them the way. Showing them the example. I've, I've not ever had one of our elders try to wash my feet, I can tell you that. I would let them, but they've never offered. But I'll tell you what I've seen our shepherds do. I've seen them run the van to go pick up people for church for worship. I've seen them clean up after a fellowship meal, and I know you have too. I've seen them taking a mop and having a mop bucket attitude when need be. I've seen them going to people's houses, sitting with them, praying with them. I've seen them loving on people as they shared their concerns. I've seen them weeping with people. I've seen them overjoyed with people. I've seen our elders displaying a mop bucket attitude that says, sheep come first, service first. Never ask another sheep to do something that you're not willing to do, right? And I think our men here exemplify that. Again, they're not herdsmen, they're shepherds. Anyone can bark out orders, anyone can say, do this or do that. But our shepherds understand they're they're in charge of a volunteer organization. That doesn't work. And we can make their job easier or we can make it harder. As I've said many times before, there is a lot going on in any congregation of the Lord's church, and shepherds don't need to be wasting their time petting the billy goats when they're trying to lead the sheep, right? So we can make their job a lot easier or a lot harder depending on how we react to their leadership. You know, John chapter 10 we find one of Jesus' I am statements. And it's the one where he says, I am the good shepherd. And you talk about an oxymoron. You realize that in this day and age, at least among the Jewish leaders, good and shepherd are two words that did not go together. The Jewish leaders did not like the shepherds for many reasons. One of the main ones was because the shepherds did not observe their strict laws about ceremonial cleansing. And so for Jesus to say, I am the good shepherd, well, that was the worst of the worst, right? I mean, that was the straw that broke the camel's back in a lot of ways. And here's Jesus, who already is dining with sinners, who is already saying all of these things that they believe are blasphemous, and now he's, he's imitating this, this shepherd, and he's saying he is the good shepherd? There was no call for that among the religious elite. But I want you to notice what Jesus says, starting in verse 14 of John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. The last point I want to make is that shepherds have a shepherd. They're not the boss. And a good shepherd understands that. A good shepherd in the Lord's church understands that I am not the final authority. I'm not the boss. I know Eddie understands that. I know Larry. I know all of our shepherds understand that, that God is in charge. And so, as a shepherd in the Lord's church, my authority only goes so far as Scripture allows. The parameters of my authority are set forth by God and by Scripture. And so I have no authority beyond that. And I've heard horror stories from preacher friends of mine saying, well, I was going to preach on this subject, an absolutely biblical subject, and one of the shepherds said, no, you, you don't need to preach on that. You might drive some people away. That shepherd doesn't have the authority to do that because that's contradicting Scripture, right? That goes beyond his boundaries of authority. And a good shepherd understands that he needs a shepherd and that he is not the ultimate good shepherd. Being a shepherd requires recognition that as a leader, I am a follower. As a shepherd in the Lord's church, which as we say is the highest office in the Lord's church, right? Even those folks are followers. Even a shepherd is a sheep he must not forget that. A shepherd is a follower. A shepherd is also a sheep, which means that they are under authority as well. You know, all this reminds me of a fable called The Last Wish of Horville Sash. You ever read that fable? Horville Sash is a gentleman who worked in the deep recesses of an office building, a high-rise office building, and, and he worked in the mail room sorting mail and just doing whatever needed to be done to help other people he was the lowest on the totem pole right and so whatever orders were given to him he had to go do them no matter how menial the task he didn't like his job he was frustrated he would hear things going on in the floor above him and, and the in the scuffling of feet and, and he, he could hear voices and mumbling and he thought to himself I wonder what's going on up there wouldn't it be nice to be in a position of authority and get out of the basement. Well, one day a little bug is scurrying across the floor and he reaches up his foot to stomp on it and just before he does, the bug says, wait, 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 please don't kill me. I'll grant you three wishes. Whatever you want, just don't kill me. And Horville Sash thinks to himself, well, he could be lying, but worst case scenario, I can make a lot of money off a talking bug, right? And so, he says, what is your first wish? The bug asks him, what is your first wish? And, and Horville Stash says to move up to the second floor. And the next day, the boss comes in, gives him a promotion. He moves up to the second floor. Horville Stash is finally happy. He's joyful. He is finally out of the basement, sorting mail and doing things for other people. Now he is the one in charge. But as the day progresses, the week progresses, he starts to hear the scuffling of feet, people talking on the floor above him. And he thinks, well, there's another floor. And so the little bug comes along and he says, I got another wish. And he says, what's your second wish? He says, I want to climb all the way up to the very top floor. And so the next day, he makes his way step by step all the way to the top floor of the office building. He is the one in charge. He has a corner office. The buck stops with him. He is the CEO. He is above everybody. And then one day he looks over and he sees the sign on the wall that says stairs. He thinks, wait a minute, there's another level. And so he climbs the stairs and he gets up and he's on the roof. And he's on the roof and there's a guy up there with his head bowed like he's praying. And Horal Sash goes up to the person and he says, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm praying. He said, praying to who? And he said, God up there. And he goes, wait, there's somebody else. Like there's another level? There's somebody above me. I thought I was it. I thought I was at the top. No, no, God's at the top. And so the little bug comes along. Horval Stash has one more wish. And the bug says, What's your final wish? And Horval Stash says, Make me like God. Give me all the power and authority. To do exactly what he would do if he were here on Earth. And the next day, Horval Stash is in the mailroom, in the basement, sorting mail, taking orders, and doing whatever needed to be done for people. Servant leadership. Elders, shepherds in the Lord's Church, have to understand that concept above all else. It's about service and sacrifice. The good shepherd recognizes that he leads by example. He is spirit-filled and spirit-led. He's all about the Father's business, which means that he's all about the sheep. And so I would say this in closing. Pray for your shepherds. Pray for them, just as Jeff did in the opening prayer. Pray for their leadership, not because they are poor leaders, And they need it, but everyone needs to be prayed for, right? And certainly the leaders in the Lord's church could use that. We're going to do that right now, but I would encourage you to continue to pray for our shepherds as they lead this congregation. Let's pray. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today to worship you. We pray, God, for our elders, for the shepherds of this congregation. We thank you so much for what they mean to us and certainly what they mean to you. And we pray that as they, as they seek to lead this congregation, that you will help them to understand what it means to have an MBA, which they do. To understand what it means to be focused, because I know that it's easy to lose focus sometimes. To help them as they, as they seek and strive to be living room elders. God, there's always that temptation to get caught up in the business of the church. And we pray that our shepherds here always focus... On the spiritual needs of our congregation. Help us, God, as members here, as sheep, to submit, to obey, to their leadership, to make their job easier, not harder. We are so blessed to be served by them, and we are so blessed to have you as the head of the church. Thank you. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. We always like to close with an invitation. If you're here this morning and you have a need that we can help you with, If you'd like to study the Bible, and we'd love to set that up this morning. Maybe you've been studying the Bible, and perhaps you're ready to put on Christ in baptism, become a a new creature in Christ. Certainly, we want to take care of that this morning. Or maybe you did that some time ago, and perhaps you strayed away. Maybe you veered off track, and you're ready to do a U-turn this morning, and you need the prayers and support of this church family. Then certainly, we want to help you with that as well. What I'm saying is, is if you have a need this morning, then why don't you come as we stand and as we sing?